morning we read from Holy Scripture, Ezekiel chapter 16. Rather lengthy chapter, worth reading in its entirety, but due to time we will limit ourselves to the first 22 verses. Ezekiel 16, 1 through 22. This happens to be the book that the young adults are making their way through in their society studies. Any young adults here would like to learn more and know more about the prophecy of Ezekiel are invited to join us. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. And say, Thus saith the Lord, God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother a Hittite. And as for thy nativity, in the day thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, but thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. And when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field. And thou hast increased and waxen great, and thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned, and thine hair is grown, whereas thou wast naked and bare. Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love. And I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. Then washed I thee with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee and I anointed thee with oil. I clothed thee also with embroidered work, and shod thee with badger skins. And I girded thee about with fine linen, and I covered thee with silk. I decked thee also with ornaments, and I put bracelets upon thy hands, and a chain on thy neck. And I put a jewel on thy forehead, and earrings in thine ears, and a beautiful crown upon thine head. Thus wast thou decked with gold and silver, and thy raiment was of fine linen and silk and embroidered work. Thou didst eat fine flour and honey and oil, and thou wast exceeding beautiful, and thou didst prosper into a kingdom. And thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty, for it was perfect through my comeliness, which I had put upon thee, saith the Lord God. But thou didst trust in thine own beauty, and plates the harlot because of thy renown, and poured out thy fornications on every one that passed by, his it was. 
And of thy garments thou didst take, and decades thy high places with diverse colors, and plates the harlot thereupon, the like things shall not come, neither shall it be so. Thou hast also taken thy fair jewels of my gold and of my silver, which I had given thee, and made it to thyself images of men, and didst commit whoredom with them, and tookest thy embroidered garments and covered them. And thou hast set mine oil and mine incense before them. My meat also which I gave thee, fine flour and oil and honey wherewith I fed thee, thou hast even set it before them for a sweet savor. And thus it was, saith the Lord God. And now what follows is our text. Moreover, thou hast taken thy sons and thy daughters, whom thou hast borne unto me, and these hast thou sacrificed unto them to be devoured. Is this of thy whoredoms a small matter, that thou hast slain my children, and delivered them to cause them to pass through the fire for them? And in all thine abominations and thy whoredoms, thou hast not remembered the days of thy youth, when thou wast naked and bare, and wast polluted in thy blood." We read that far in God's holy word. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, the church of today has little use for the Old Testament in general. The church of today sees little practical application and importance of the law of Moses. Even the Psalms and the Proverbs, let alone the prophets that we have read from this morning. The church of today regards the Old Testament largely as myth or sordid and depressing tales of a nation entirely unlike themselves or stories about an angry God that is not at all compatible with or have, has any likeness of the God of love and grace found in the New Testament. And thus, there is very little that is found useful and is taught out of the Old Testament in much of the Christian church today. If one is of that opinion, then the text that we read and the chapter out of which it came could be used as perhaps an example. A very graphic, a very sordid, and very sexually charged description of the nation of Israel likened unto the seed of Gentiles, born of two Gentiles, and unloved by her mother, thrown out by her parents as unwanted by the side of the road, and left for dead. But God comes, and God cleans up that child, takes that child as His own, brings that child up as his own, takes care of her 
until she comes to maturity and then marries her. And not only marries her, but gives unto her all the blessings and benefits of himself as God. But then this woman takes to fornication. This woman whom God alone has loved takes to giving herself, opening her legs to any that will pass by for money or for pleasure. And even worse, as we read in the passage, she takes her children and she sacrifices them to the idol gods who are in reality the ones to whom she gives herself. And the church today looks at this passage and says about it, too graphic, too sexually charged, too sordid, and entirely unlike ourselves. We do not commit idolatry. We are not guilty of spiritual fornication. And surely we do not sacrifice our children to the idol gods. What we do is we baptize our children. We love our children. We give our children all the best things. We care for them. And we give ourselves to God alone. The fact is that that is not true. It certainly is not true for much of the Christian church world today. This charge and this Word of God may be laid at the feet of much of what calls itself church, including that which calls itself Reformed. That is the state of the Reformed church today. But we would make a mistake if we would say of ourselves that we are without guilt and without sin in this regard. Consider with me this morning this passage from the Word of God under the theme, Sacrificing Our Children. Sacrificing Our Children. And in the first place, we notice the idolatrous murder that that is. Secondly, the covenant betrayal that this is. And then the severe warning that comes to us in this text from the Word of God. So plain is this Word of God in its description that I think even the younger children here, although they may not know in detail these things, understand the wickedness of the nation of Israel that is being described here. The idolatry as spiritual fornication, and then even also and especially the murder of the covenant children that was going on in the nation of Israel. In the service of their God, idolatry, they were literally and really murdering their children in the service of that God. 
What especially is brought out in the passage is the great abomination that this sin was. It is thrust in our face in such graphic detail that one cannot read it without saying to themselves, what in the world is going on? Did they really do this? And that is done in the service of the Lord saying that this is an abomination. And that's indeed how the passage begins. Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. And one of those abominations is that which we call our attention to this morning, that of murdering their children. An abomination is an especially disgusting, gross, and vile form of sin. So gross, so disgusting, and so vile, one is tempted to not believe that it actually occurred, or not believe that they themselves are capable of engaging in that particular sin. But the fact is that this went on, and the fact is that this still goes on within the church. And the fact is, it is a sin, even this abomination, that we are prone. The text is describing not simply any idolatry when it speaks of sacrificing children, but a very particular form of idolatry, namely the worship of the god Molech. Molech. That's brought out by the description, as even our fathers take note in the translation, when they add the words, the fire, for they cause them to pass through the fire for them. And that makes clear that the abomination here that is being described is one that the Lord describes in the book of First Kings as the abomination of the Ammonites. The abomination of the Ammonites. Right at the outset, one of the things that we can take note of is that this is a particularly abominable form of idolatry exactly because two covenant, two saved, two redeemed covenant children of God were responsible for introducing this form of idolatry into the covenant nation. Being the abomination of the Ammonites, that tells us that this comes from the descendants of Lot. Lot, that righteous soul that was vexed by the homosexuality of Sodom, would go on even after the Lord had saved him, saved him from the fire and brimstone rained on Sodom to commit incest with his daughters. Out of that incest would come the nation of Ammon. And out of the nation of Ammon would come the worship of Molech. 
Even more surprising and abominable is that the worship of this particular God was introduced into the nation and sanctioned by none other than Solomon. It was King Solomon who married an Ammonite. And in deference to his wife, he introduced the worship of her God to the nation. In fact, he sanctioned and allowed idols dedicated to this God to be set up outside of Jerusalem in the Valley of Hinnom. And from there, it would develop into the actual sacrifice of children, which one cannot imagine actually went on in the time of Solomon. No doubt, he introduced it in a fairly innocent way as an acceptable form of the worship of Jehovah God. But it quickly turned into child sacrifice. The Scriptures also tell us that in the reign of the last good king of Judah, Josiah, that he did wipe out the worship of Molech, that he took the idols as God required and he burned them and ground them to powder and eliminated them. But you also know that his reign was a short one, that God cut his reign short and his sons immediately reinstated the worship of Molech back into the nation such that Ezekiel, who writes at the time of the Babylonian captivity, must bring this word of God to the citizens of Jerusalem who yet remain. This particular form of idolatry was an abomination because this was an idol that especially perverted the truth about God. Not only was this an idol like every other idol, but this was an idol that was established especially to invoke worship by means of fear and coercion. This idol was an idol, as even is indicated in the passage that we read, to have somewhat the form of man, to worship God under the auspices of man, which is a perversion, of course, of the truth that we worship God through Jesus Christ. But this man had for a head that of a giant bull with large horns. Furthermore, this idol was built out of metal, hollow metal, in which the priests would light fires either in or around it so that quickly this idol would get red hot and the arms of this idol were outstretched and on those outstretched arms were placed the living children of Israel. It invoked fear. It invoked terror. It invoked the notion that this is something we must do to placate this terrible God. The service of Molech was also an abomination because it was especially 
cruel. The children were sacrificed alive. You can only imagine the scene. Smoke pouring out of the red-hot horns of this grotesque beast, man. And the priests taking the children who are willingly given by the parents to the priest, and those children living, being placed on those red-hot arms. You can only imagine the shrieks and the sounds and the cries of the children. You can smell the stinking flesh as it burns and sears. You can imagine the sight of this once living child turned into a black corpse to crumble and fall down at the feet of this grotesque God. And this is what the children of Israel were doing. Not only was this an abomination because it perverted the truth of the living and true God, and an abomination because it was murder, and an abomination because it was an especially cruel and gruesome and revolting form of murder. But it was murder of children at the hands of parents. This is the kind of sin and abomination that even the world would find grotesque and vile and an abomination. This is the kind of sin that goes against even the natural laws of nature, we might say, or the natural love of a mother and father for their children. So much an abomination is and was this sin that the valley where this was carried out, the valley of Hinnom, and the stinking smell and the burning fires and the shrieks and the cries of those being sacrificed, so wicked and vile was it that it becomes in Scripture one of the outstanding pictures of hell. This is one of the places, and this is one of the scenes from which Scripture gets its picture of hell. One can understand then what that God Molech actually then represented. None other than the worship of the evil one himself, Satan, and what he requires of his worshipers, the complete and utter sacrifice of any and all, not just children, but the adults whom he takes down with him into the valley of the shadow of death, into the fires of hell itself. Having described this, then, probably you, like me, Ask the question, how in the world could this be? How 
Could it be that the people of God, the children of Israel, so wonderfully described in the opening portion of this passage, even those who apart from the worship of God as parents, how could they do this to their children? Is there any danger that we do this to our children? The easy answer is, of course not. We would never, ever do such a thing. Perhaps even say the children of Israel really didn't do it either. How could they? But they did. And we have to ask how. The very first thing that we have to understand, beloved, is the development of sin and what all idolatry is at its essence and core. Surely the children of Israel didn't start here. Surely the introduction of Molech and the sacrifice of children in the valley of Hinnom didn't begin with righteous King Solomon. Nevertheless, it was there in the worship of even the smallest idol in the tiniest of homes by parents. You see, God knows the truth of the matter, and that's why in the book of Leviticus, he not only calls the worship of Molech an abomination, but all idolatry. God knew, and God knows where idolatry leads, that the very principles, the very reasons that parents would do such a cruel, heartless thing to their children is found in even the smallest of idolatry, in the smallest of idols, and in the slightest little practice of worship to an idol are all the principles of the worship of Molech. And they do eventually lead actually to that. And in principle, any idolatry is the sacrifice of children and involves one in it. Therefore, God not only called all idolatry an abomination, but specifically, you could look this up, specifically warned when talking about idols that this is where all idolatry leads. So we have to ask ourselves, is this something the New Testament Israel engages in? And much of the church answers, of course not. Why, we love our children. Look at all the things that we do for our children, all the good things that we give them. We care for our children. We, we'd sacrifice ourselves for our children. We certainly wouldn't do such a thing. But that's not true. Much of the church world today engages in this and not the way that you might imagine. It would be too easy to say, well, certainly in the church today there is the murder of unborn children. Oh yes, much of the church resists and cries out against it, but it does go on. And if one can't see that the aborting of one's child isn't the sacrifice of that child, 
in idolatry, then one is blind. One can add to that too the practice, the widespread practice in the church of refusing to have children, of refusing to have more children. And for the same reasons that the people sacrificed to Molech. What were they? You have to understand that essentially idolatry, beloved people of God, is the formation of any notion in one's head of God that is contrary to that found in the Scriptures. To believe in false notions of God and who God is and what He is, is to form an idol. Much of the church world today believes in a God that is contrary to that found in Scripture. They do not worship Jehovah, the one true and triune God who is sovereign over all things, including salvation. But they serve idol gods. The God of modern liberalism, who did not write the Scripture, but men wrote the Scripture, and men can do with the Scripture what He wants to do. The church that rejects the miracles, God didn't do the miracles in the Holy Scriptures. But don't forget, this is also the God of Arminianism. This is the God of salvation by man's will or worth. This is the God of the church that teaches God is not sovereign over salvation. That salvation and who is saved comes down to your will and my desire. Comes down to our work and not God's. Salvation isn't rooted in God's election. It is not according to the gift of faith granted by His sovereign good pleasure. God is not the one who shows mercy to whom He will show mercy, and whom He will, He will harden. Why, that's an Old Testament notion, is it not? That is the worship of an idol God. Add to that, essentially, to believe that you are the main and most important thing in life, and that your pleasure and your happiness are the most important thing, is essentially idolatry. It is at the heart and the root of all idolatry. It was at the heart of the worship of Molech that God is there to serve me not me, to serve God. That my happiness and my joy are the most important thing. And when you apply that, you will see the danger. You will see how children are worshipped to Molech more than you realize. It is, as the Lord describes even in the passage, to take even the many gifts and blessings the jewels and the raiment and the food and the clothing that God gives in rich abundance from His storehouse and use them for our own advantage and pleasure and joy. So the question is, <clears throat> what do you teach your children about God and who He is? If you don't teach them anything, certainly that's sacrificing your children to Molech because they will not know who the one true and triune God is. 
to teach your children that God is there to serve them, simply to make them happy. To teach your children that they are the most important thing in life. That life is all about themselves. To teach them that if they are not happy and they do not have what they want, then God is holding out. Perhaps God is even angry with them. Is to sacrifice your children to Molech. When we give ourselves, and our children can easily see what we are doing, when we take our time and money, when we take our energies and we devote them to ourselves, when our life is nothing but a pursuit of pleasure, when even our children can see that the vast majority of time is spent on me, myself, and I rather than God, you are sacrificing your children to Molech. That's what you have to understand. Oh, you may not hear the shrieks and the howls and see the red heart arms because we are so blind, but nevertheless, you are murdering your children. The abomination of sacrificing our children is also brought out when the Lord shows the real issue here. The real source of the problem and what is really going on. And that's brought out when the Lord makes clear that this kind of behavior is a betrayal of the covenant. It's a betrayal of Himself. That it's a form of spiritual fornication and adultery, and that's brought out in so many ways. It is not coincident that the Bible uses that same word, abominations, for the sins being described of the nation of Israel here. The Bible reserves that word for the sins of fornication, for the sins of adultery, for the sin of homosexuality. Spiritual fornication is what idolatry is. That this is a form of spiritual adultery is brought out when it was introduced by two of God's covenant children into the nation. That it was spiritual adultery against God is brought out also when this is done by covenant parents to covenant children. And God brings that up in the passage. Thou hast taken thy sons and thy daughters, whom thou hast borne unto me. You have done this to your sons and daughters who were born unto me. And then those very same children that he calls their children, he calls his children. They are my children. The children, in other words, that were being sacrificed were children who were circumcised. They were children whom the children of Israel had acknowledged were children of the covenant. Children that came from God. Children that were a great gift of God. Children that were given the sign and seal of the covenant and of the righteousness of faith. 
That changes things. It adds to the abomination, you see. Because that means that those children were given that sign with the knowledge of who God is. They, just like us, would acknowledge all the truth found in our baptism form. That circumcision was a sign and seal. That these children were born not righteous in themselves, but born dead in trespasses and sins, and therefore they and their parents were subject to all miseries, yea, to even condemnation itself. That sign of circumcision was a sign in the Old Testament of the promises of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. What God had promised to do. What God was doing for His people in and through Jesus Christ and by His Spirit. And was even a sign of their own calling. For as in all covenants there are contained two parts. And therefore they were obliged to not only teach their children the fear of God, but to live heart, mind, soul, and strength unto God in love. This is what we must see, beloved, if we are to see anything. The horror and the real abomination of idolatry is that it is a forsaking of God. And it is a turning on God's grace. And that is the whole point of this passage. This is what God reminds them of. God reminds them of who they were. What He had done. Reminds them that the children they born were His children. That He had given them. And therefore, of what they were obliged to do with regard to those children. And God had even told them, and they would know this because it's found in the same Scripture, that what God did not require was the shedding of the life of their children. Exactly because God had shed His life for those children. God made clear the one thing He did not want, the one thing He considered an abomination, exactly because of the covenant, exactly because of who and what he was and the children were, was the sacrifice of children. You see, there's something very devious that goes on in idolatry. Idolatry is to look at God in an entirely different way than what you see in the Holy Scriptures. If you want to know how someone can get to sacrificing their children... You have to understand that it is to look at God not as the God of grace, as the God of the covenant, the God of love in Jesus Christ, not the fear of God in that sense, not the God to be worshipped in thanksgiving and grace, but the God that I have to sacrifice to in order for Him to do good unto me, to bring me pleasure, or the God who will destroy me The God who requires me to sacrifice even my children. The God of merit. The God of earning. And it's deviously deceitful to fall into that sin. And that's the beginnings of all idolatry. 
And God says, that's adultery. It's essentially to forget who I am and what I am and turn me into something that I am not. It is to turn me into a monster, into a beast. You see, beloved, what your real calling is with regard to your children is to teach them the truth about God. The solution, the antidote to sacrificing your children to Moloch is to teach them to who they are, that they already belong to God, to teach them the meaning of the sign and seal of the covenant, to teach them that there is no need for such bloody sacrifices, for such self-murder or the murder of one's children, because Jesus has paid it all. To teach them the forgiveness of sins and the cross of Jesus Christ so that when they do foolish things like idolatry and adultery, they do not cover their own sin, but they find the blood of Christ to cover their sin. And you see, if we do that, then we cannot forget who God is. And that's really the warning that God brings to the nation here. The last passage, God gives the real root reason for all of this abomination, for all this wickedness of parents sacrificing their children to their own whims and their own pleasures and their own desires. You forgot who you were. That's what happened to the nation of Israel. They forgot who they were. They forgot that they with their children were born dead in trespasses and sins. Those children were not born dedicated to God. They were not born naturally good. They were not born automatically with the Spirit. Those children were not the children that the parents wanted them to be because of their own efforts. They were born dead in trespasses and sins. Again, take note of the sign of baptism. God says, In all thine abominations and thine whoredoms, thou hast not remembered the days of thy youth, when thou wast naked and bare, and wast polluted in thy blood. Why is it, beloved, that we so easily worship silver and gold? You do, don't you? Or are you going to sit here this morning and say, I don't worship idols. There's no idols in my home. I'm free from idolatry. I give all my time. I give all of my life. I love God with all my heart, soul, and strength. And never, ever stray into idolatry. Or if I do, it's really not a big deal. Why? It would never the result in the screaming and the screeching of my children and the fires and pains of hell. It would never lead to their destruction. I'm not giving them over to the priests of the world to deliver over to its idols. No. I don't worship the God pleasure. I don't look at God as the one who's there to serve me and give me whatever I want. I'm completely free of looking at myself and my life as the do-all and end-all of everything? Or do you?
If you do, then the way of repentance is to remember who you are. Every one of you, including myself, was born dead, left by the side of the road. Every last one of us was born naked with nothing. And everything you have, whatever you have, didn't come by your hard work and your ingenuity and your education and all your time and energy. It came from God. Are you bedecked in jewels and clothed with silk and fine linen? Fine. God gave that to you. Do you find yourself with the knowledge of Him? With a love for Him? Where did that come from? God says it came from Him. That's the warning of the text, beloved. Put away your idolatry. And the severe part of it is, if you don't, you will sacrifice your children. You may be certain of that. What God requires is our hearts and souls and thanksgiving to Him for the joys and pleasures of salvation and eternal life that He has already given. Let that, beloved, be the sign and seal of baptism. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, our God and Father in heaven, keep us, O Lord, from serving idol gods, the spiritual fornication that it is, and the murder that it leads to. Preserve us and our children by turning us evermore to Thee, the living God, the God of grace and love, not of fear and terror, the God who has made the sacrifice and therefore requires no sacrifice of us, the God who lives and dwells with us by His Spirit, Lead us ever on, O Lord, to the valley of the shadow of death without turning into the valley of Hinnom. Keep us from the fires of hell and the destruction and terror. Keep us, O Lord, in thy grace and truth that we give ourselves evermore and teach our children the same unto thee, the true and living God, in whose name we pray. Amen.